Radio. This podcast contains adult content. Some of the themes or topics may include information on murder, kidnapping, torture, dismemberment, maybe some demonic content with information on positions and paranormal activity. This podcast will also include explicit, horrible, and foul, socially unacceptable, totally uninhibited, adult themes language. So if you're easily offended, if you're easily triggered, then I highly suggest you turn this off now. And if not, just keep in mind, parental discretion is advised. All right, before we get going with this awesome episode about Blackbeard the Pirate, supposedly the Scourge of the Seven Seas, I have to thank new Patreon subscribers, Mindy Hall and Corinne. Mindy, I'm pretty sure you left me a nice review. And with that being said, I am going to read reviews, like I said, at the end of the next episode, which drops at 3 a.m. Wednesday. Everything is already ready to go. It is an interview with John Captain III in regards to the Tiffany Jenks case. If you'd like to become a Patreon member, like I said, we got a good backlog of episodes on there. We always have three a month. You can go to patreon.com slash mysterious circumstances, or if you want to make a one-time donation, you can go to Venmo at MC Podcast, and I've been known to throw some extra episodes for one-time donations as well. Now, with all that being said, let's get on with the show. Well, welcome everybody to Mysterious Circumstances, and yeah, finally getting around to do this. I think we've been planning it for like a year, year and a half, something like that, maybe? I don't know. Just about. Just about, yeah. Yeah, I'm joined by Cammie. Cammie, I obviously I've known you for years upon years, but do you want to introduce yourself to everybody? Yeah, I'm just a long-time listener, big-time fan. I really like the uh, biographies that are done. And also some of the weirder stuff that you cover, so. Yeah, and you have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, not that I want to talk about since <laughs> I haven't done anything. <laughs> you just cut that right out. No, no, Cammie does a podcast. She has for a couple years. She's not as not as active as active as she would like to be. No, every time every time you get brought up, it's usually in reference to the Sally House. To be honest with you. Oh, geez. Yeah, thanks. Well, it, was not, not, quite the night. not in a bad way. Not in a bad way, <laughs> no, but that was, was fucking great. weird. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, definitely was weird. weird. Yeah, there's some weird shit. But, uh, I will not but, yeah. forget it, that's for sure. Oh, I fucking know you won't. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I remember your face that fucking morning. You're smoking that cigarette. I was like, the fuck is wrong with you? Dude, you're not going to fucking believe what happened. I need to get out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All in all, that was a fucking fun weekend, though. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. Like, just two... Everybody was really good company, and it was pretty good. Like, two and a half You also got days. scared pretty damn good yourself. I remember you coming up from the basement. Oh, from the basement. at the table beside me. Yeah, you were... Well... You were speechless, which is pretty rare. It's, uh... Yeah, honestly, it is pretty rare for me, especially in, like, a paranormal location. And... 
hope people don't mind the the banter here you know but i don't get to talk to cammy very often but yeah the uh when we when we were down in the basement of the sally house we had that geo port down there which is kind of like an advanced ghost box type thing and um basically i was talking shit and the geo port said something to the effect of told basically told us good luck like told me good luck i was like i'm gonna be staying all here all night i was like i think the doctor purposely killed people in this fucking house blah 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 blah. i mean i was just pushing buttons and like all the people that were down there with us the uh dudes from the youtube channel and then uh like ashley and and uh chris they're just like man i don't know if that's the best idea like i don't think you should be saying that kind of stuff right now and then uh they're like, you should probably apologize because this geoport started saying shit that's not like programmed into the machine. And uh, because there's certain words and phrases that you can program into the machine, you know, to gauge your answers or whatever. And this fucking thing started saying all kinds of weird shit. It knew the color of uh, Tracy's hair. You know what I mean? What the fuck? Yeah, which was pink. So it's <laughs> not a standard hair color. Not a standard hair color, man everybody down there started freaking out and they're like you need to apologize to the entities and i was like all right you know i'm sorry i'm gonna be staying here tonight and the fucking geoport just started like maniacally laughing all you heard was this deep weird voice come across and it was just laughing everybody looked at me and they're like I'm going upstairs done you know and i was like uh, yeah i'm probably gonna join everybody and i went upstairs and it was sucked because like I don't know, half an hour later, you know, everybody's screwing around with these dowsing rods, and then they're all following me around. <laughs> yeah, you and Lacey with the dowsing rods. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, like a half an hour later, Tracy's like, I want to go down in the basement, but I only want to go down if Justin goes down with me. And I'm like, really? Like, this is the one fucking time that I came upstairs and I was like, I'm not going to go down there anymore because what just happened is kind of odd. And here's Tracy. Yeah, but like, you're not you going to say no to Tracy. <laughs> you can't say no to Tracy. It's impossible. No, you can't. She's so nice. <laughs> I know, dude. And uh, so, yeah, we went down there and sat with her. And that's when, well, hell, you were down there. That's when it started saying, you know, what color is Tracy's hair and things saying pink and all this other shit. And it's like, God damn, man, this is kind of weird. But yeah, that was that, that was, was crazy. Weekend. We had thought we had heard some growling in the corner while we were on the stairs too. That yeah, that basement's definitely a trip for sure. I mean, don't get me wrong, it didn't scare me enough I wouldn't go back, but yeah, it's good times. Oh, I'd go back and I had interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, if you're willing to go back, that's I'm just a curious lot. that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to see if it happens to me again. <laughs> right? Yeah, I want cameras, and I want a little recorder this time. And, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't mind like infrared, some kind of infrared or, or thermal cameras, I should say. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty interesting, especially in that back section that you can kind of crawl through underneath the house. Oh, shit. yeah, I got a picture of Heather and Lacey back there. That yeah. place was weird. Fuck, yeah, it was, man. All right, so yeah, anyway talking about blackbeard today <laughs> after talking <laughs> about a bunch of paranormal stuff so yeah blackbeard was probably his early life is one of the hardest things to try to research and i know you agree with me on this because nobody really knows exactly 
where the dude was born, how his upbringing was. They guesstimate that he was born around 1680. Uh, and most people believe that he was born in Bristol, England, which is uh, on the southwest coast, kind of. It's working class port. There's two There's two things that they think. Either one, he was super poor, and there were only a few ways that you could really get out of poverty, and one of those ways was to go to sea as like a privateer and stuff like that, work for the Royal Navy. But there's also other sources that say uh, he came from a well-to-do family because he was very intelligent, and people said that he was very educated. So... I'm not exactly sure which one to believe. And then you also have people that say he was born in America, somewhere in the South. <laughs> His last name was actually Beard. Me and you had talked about that before recording. Personally, not one of my favorites historically wise. I mean, there's there's some evidence that is provided, but you have... It's more legend fact exactly yeah and i mean me and cammy one of our sources uh, are mostly captain charles johnson uh who supposedly knew blackbeard knew a lot of pirates he wrote a book called the general history of pirates from 1717 to 1724 this guy is even kind of weird because some people think that captain charles johnson was a pseudonym for uh daniel defoe you know, who wrote, you know, Robinson Crusoe. So even that's kind of a little bit odd. What was your opinion on that, on that book? Um, I think it was really informative, but I also think that it also has to be taken with a grain of salt considering, you know, it just seemed really highly politicized, especially given the time and the way that they were trying to co color pirates in the early United States during that time really just depended upon the motives on what kind what side of the story you got yeah i can agree with that and i mean through the 17 the early 1700s not just abroad but in america i mean they were fucking hanging pirates left and right i mean unless you got went and got that king's pardon i mean over the course of like three or four months there'd be 30 40 50 pirates hanged like it it didn't matter you know the one thing I did like about Charles Johnson's book is that it does have court transcripts, like testimonies from crew members uh, involving Blackbeard, like guys who were on the crew who, who survived that final stand with the Royal Navy and Robert Maynard. So that part was super awesome to actually read like what these guys were saying and shit. I thought that part was pretty awesome. I'll agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there's also a really good book uh, for research purposes. Great information. It's called Under the Black Flag. And it's, uh, I can't remember the author's first name, but his last name is Cordingly. So Under the Black Flag, check that book out if this is something you're into. It is a very, very valuable source of information. What did you read most about Blackbeard's early life? Because I just said like three different scenarios <laughs> and uh, people can't agree on whether or not, you know, he grew up educated and well-to-do and people can't agree that he grew up poor. Nobody really knows. Yeah, that was one of the most difficult things to look into while researching Blackbeard because there really is no proof one way or the other. 
Um, there was a guy that actually went down to Jamaica and started going through some of the genealogical documents in the church there. And they do have some evidence of a family by the name of Thatch that also line up with a lot of the other family names too. But once again, it's, it's not solid proof. If you start going towards that way, then what it would be was that he was, um, the son of a wealthy, of a wealthy plant, wealthy plantation owner over there. But then there is also a lot of documentation with the same kind of names again, from him coming out of Bristol as well as a young, you know, a young boy with his father. So yeah. it's really all over the place. As far as the, the stateside references, I really found those to be really kind of more, more of legends than anything else. And, People just trying to claim that, you know, that kind of that pirate lore. Um, a lot of the times in the States in those early days of piracy, the pirates were actually welcomed into those ports because they were able to get in different goods and, you know, different goods into the States that they weren't able to get just because yeah. England had kind of cut them off at that point. So pirates were actually welcomed a lot of the time in the early days because they were able to provide those goods that they weren't able to get elsewhere. Yeah, that is very, very true. And I mean, you have, as we get further down the timeline, you have some governors who were very pirate friendly. You had other governors who wanted to kill yeah. every single pirate they ever saw. So it's like really weird yeah. how you can go from North Carolina to Virginia and have just a total 180 <laughs> of attitude towards pirates. It was, it's pretty interesting exactly. when you get into the, especially the politics of it, because even the, you know, the governors that hated pirates and only saw them as causing problems, they were also corrupt and doing everything illegal to try to catch them and stuff like that. But then you also had the ones who were friendly with the pirates who were, you know, taking bribes, some of the plunder and, you know, like uh, Charles Eden. <laughs> like Charles yeah. Eden's a very interesting governor because he just kind of, he was friends with Blackbeard. Speaking of Blackbeard, I'm going to probably refer to him as Blackbeard just because we don't even know, like, what his real name was. Everybody says Edward yeah. Teach. <laughs> Some people say Edward Tretch, Edward Thatch. And there's, like, six or seven different variations of what his last name was supposed to be. <laughs> so the um, the one that I commonly re heard him referred to as was either Edward Thatch or Edward Teach. So I'm either going to yeah, call him Edward or Blackbeard. <laughs> yeah, you, and you're you're <laughs> right there. I'm just going to either call him Edward or Blackbeard, one or the other, you know, because <laughs> nobody really agrees on what his last name even was. But um, but yeah, they they say that he more than likely grew up poor, and we when they were at time of war, when England was in war, the, the poor people could that was their chance basically to get out of poverty. They could go join the Royal Navy. The Royal Navy was taking on a bunch of shipmen. It's all that kind of stuff. And basically that was their chance to get out of their current surroundings and their current conditions. The kicker is that Blackbeard more than likely started his career as a privateer. And for those who don't know what privateers are, they're, they're basically pirates, except it's legal because you're doing it for the country or you're doing it for the government. So basically they're doing the same shit that the other pirates are doing, except 
it's under the flag of England or whatever country they might be from. So that it that was a fairly good job back then, to be honest with you. But he he more than likely started during Queen Anne's War, and where, like I said, he was a privateer, and basically, if they would capture an enemy ship, uh, they would just plunder it for whatever goods they can find, and then they would get a percentage of that after the ship was taken back to, you know, England, and they'd either rebrand the ship or whatever they would do with, with certain supplies and goods. But yeah, in 1713, the war ended, and all of these guys who had previously been shipmen or mariners, they were out of a fucking job. All of a sudden, they're just, you know, in the West Indies or down in the Caribbean or on the East Coast of America, and they just all of a sudden don't have any jobs because they're not needed anymore. They could join the Merchant Navy, but basically it was uh, you got paid ship money. You didn't make any money. Everybody was harshly disciplined. It was very, very... Uh, it was not the way to go. It was not the way to go, basically. Like, it, it wasn't very appealing for anybody back in that day. Because why are you going to go on a ship and deal with all this bullshit for barely any money and just get treated like shit? You might as well just get your steal your own ship and just do whatever you want, you know? <laughs> so... Well, not only that, the pirate code also was a, seemed to be a lot more fair to the individual man versus the military ranking and how that all worked out too yeah especially down uh down around new providence because like nassau was basically like its own little pirate country (laughs) you know you could go there everybody was safe i don't know like a lot of these guys like i said they they're leaving like really bad environments to try to pursue this pirate life And like you had mentioned, the pirate code, it was like their own little code, their own little laws, rules, their own little government. But you still had the freedom to go and come and do everything as you pleased. So, you know, it it was it was a chance that a lot of people were willing to take. Yeah, that's why um, a lot of the pirate ships, a lot of their flags featured an hourglass, because once you were branded a pirate, there was a good chance that you weren't going to live very long. You know, you're going to have one of those lives that's like plundering and drinking and women and living your best life, but you weren't probably going to live a very long one because they were just hunting these dudes down left and right. So basically, the young Blackbeard set out for the Bahamas and there were a lot of European shipping lanes there. And it was also, like I said, a great hideout because Nassau, which was, um, it's, it was on the island of New Providence. It was known for pirates. It was a tent city. Like I said, lots of seamen, lots of merchants, everybody pretty much living their best lives down there, to be honest with you. And, uh, the young Blackbeard or Edward, he was unemployed. He didn't have anything to do. And he meets up with this guy, uh, by the name of Captain Ben Hornigold. And Hornigold was a, a privateer turned pirate. He was known as probably the best and most able pirate on the island at the time. And he took Edward under his wing. And they decided to go into piracy together. And Hornigold 
he was impressed by by Edward because he was very brazen, very very brave. He when they were fighting, he was super aggressive. He was a smart guy. He caught on quick. Pretty much everything you would look for in an understudy, I guess you could say. And Hornigold, one thing that he did was he taught him that sometimes your reputation is more important than some of the actions that you actually do. So essentially, that's how the whole Blackbeard version, you know, of him being the walking devil or the devil manifested, that's kind of how that all took shape. Because, you know, if your reputation precedes you, then you are probably not going to have to fight as many battles at sea because they're going to hear about you. You know, your appearance is going to be shockingly crazy. Hornigold, I think, was a very, very smart guy, very good teacher. Like I said, Edward became a partner very quickly just because he caught on to all this. Back in these times, people like grown-ass men were, you know, five foot six, five foot seven. And according to a lot of accounts, uh, Edward was anywhere from 6'1 to 6'4. So him being brave and that big of a guy in good physical shape, you know, that would matter. But yeah, their operation was based out of Nassau Harbor. And they started taking all kinds of fucking ships. And they ended up with about four sloops total. And... A sloop is basically like a smaller ship, can still carry a lot of guys, but a sloop is a lot more maneuverable than a full-sized uh, full-sized navy ship, if that makes sense. What were some of your thoughts on Hornigold and Edward's relationship? So, it really depends on which way you go with who Blackbeard really is or really was. There's kind of two camps to this story of him and Hornigold. There's the kind of the camp that you just explained where he took him under his wing and was a, was a mentor. But there's also the other side of it, whereas if where if he is truly Ed, Edward Thatch from Jamaica first with those documents there is that he was actually one of the most experienced mariners of recorded pilots be, or pirates, not pilots, <laughs> because he did all have all that experience in the Royal Navy. So it just really it's it's hard to it's hard to make a decision on that relationship without really knowing who he was in the first place, which makes this whole story very difficult. But I think both both stories are, are very interesting. I, I tend to lean more towards him being Jamaican born just because of the documentation that is available. It does seem to, you know, have the most documentation. But once again, there's really no way to be sure. Yeah, and that's always like the toughest part of research is when you have so much contradictory information. I don't know, like for me and Cammy, we have to kind of prov- we have to provide you guys with as many sides as we can give you and you guys can kind of decide for yourself because the amount of research that some people have put into this is obviously way more than what we have. And I mean, and me and her have both right. researched this quite a bit. But, I mean, there's people who have spent years doing this who still aren't 100% sure. So, it's like... Oh, yeah. It's it's insane. Just 
the amount of... I mean, there's books and books, oh, God. and they're still going at yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Like, you'll have one author, one historian, one university professor, another historian, and none of them can agree on the same shit. <laughs> and then they'll say that this guy was really confused with this guy, and it just becomes a big old nest of spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fucking ridiculous. I don't know. I mean, it's fascinating, though, because obviously there are a lot of points where... Everybody can agree on certain things because of some of the ships they attacked and where they were. And, you know, the, the other ships give their recollect, you know, their recount of the events and who took their shit. And it's like, yeah, that was Blackbeard. Yeah, absolutely. So they can definitely establish that these two guys were together. It's just the relationship that they have that I see the most contention with. It's either he was a lowly, you know, kind of private up up and coming privateer who needed all this help or he was this you know very experienced navy you know ex-navy man who was didn't really need much help yeah that's just kind of the two sides to that absolutely so in early 1717 right around january or so they started sailing north and they were taking merchant ships off the coast of virginia and delaware and they, they did pretty well for themselves. They made a lot of money up there. Then they started heading back down south towards the Bahamas, and they run into a ship called the Concord, and this is right around St. Vincent. And they saw those white sails, man, and both of the ships went after the Concord. Now, the Concord tried to get in a defense position, but the pirate ships were a lot faster, so they were pretty much already on that shit, started firing. They killed half the crew, and the Concord just surrendered immediately. And, you know, part of their plunder, they got a lot of money. They got some gold dust. They got some jewels. Edward, or Blackbeard, he wanted to keep that ship. He started converting it into a pirate ship. Now, from what I understand, shortly after this is when Blackbeard and Hornigold kind of parted ways because... Hornigold wanted to take the king's pardon because the king was offering pardons to pirates. Basically, turn yourself in, give up your pirate life, and you won't get hanged. And Hornigold wanted that pardon, and he wanted to just retire. He was like, you know what? I've been doing this shit for a while. Kind of over it. Kind of done. Blackbeard, he was just... He's like, eh, I'm just getting fucking started, you know? So he converted the Concord into a pirate ship, and he named it Queen Anne's Revenge. And he took on a crew, eventually, of about right around 300 guys. Now, the ship was, was known or have said to carry 40 guns, which is super impressive at this point in time. Because even a lot of the Royal Navy ships... Um, they only carried anywhere from like 18 to 25 guns. So when pirates would take on old merchant ships or old Navy ships or whatever the case was, they would always just stockpile them with more guns. With the supposed Queen Anne's Revenge that they have discovered the wreckage of, I mean, they've already pulled, I think, 35 guns off of the ocean floor. They said there could be even more down there. They just don't know. Like I had mentioned, like, Edward, there were lots of pirates around, okay? Uh, but he also understood the psychological warfare of it. And because he already had, like, a badass reputation, that's when he started letting his beard grow out really, really long. 
and uh, started braiding it, and he renamed himself Blackbeard. From this point on, for the next 13 months, like, I don't think a lot of people understand, like, this guy built his reputation as Blackbeard in 13 months, and 300 years later, we're still talking about this dude. I mean, take that as you will. <laughs> yeah, did, did you have anything you wanted to throw in on that with him and Hornigold breaking up? Yeah, actually, I did. Um, my research showed that, actually, let's see here, it was in November of 1717. Okay, good. When they were in the Bahamas, uh, was that Hornigold actually faced a mutiny. And that also had something to do with parting ways. Nice. Um, also, I have in my research, um, when he did capture the Concord, this goes along with the kind of the new information that we've gained, you know, I guess in more recent times about Blackbeard is that he wasn't possibly as bloodthirsty and brutal as his legend would have it. Yeah. Um, when he took the French ship, there, according to a primary account, um, so the French crew on the ship that he took, there were 16 fatalities, which on a ship that large is, is very, very yeah, small. For sure. And then there were also another 36 that were seriously ill from scurvy and dysentery. So the French were basically powerless to really do anything about them taking over the Concorde. So it was, you know, it, it wasn't like some big bloody battle yeah. or anything of that nature. And a lot of his interactions don't really seem to end with bloodshed until we get to the very end yeah. when he beaches, you know, the Queen Anne. Yeah, and he goes out like a straight gangster. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the yeah. most exciting part is literally like the last 24 hours of this dude's life. <laughs> he's... No, I agree. I found this one quote and he called the guys on the other ship sick puppies. And I, I just kind of love that. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever forget that. And that was, oh, I can't wait till we get to that part because it's so badass, man. And like <laughs> he straight up went out like a gangster, man. And it's just like, God. And that just built into his legend. But anyway, we're going to get to all that. But <laughs> Yeah, the Concord, and I had heard, like I said, I'm glad you brought that up, because we can't get the point across enough. He understood the psychological part of it. Like, if he had that reputation and looked scary as fuck, people were not going to, you know, this is back in the 1700s, people were superstitious. They thought Blackbeard was a devil. You know, he would stick incense or lit matches under his hat or in his fucking beard. You know, and they'd be smoking all around his face. And if you saw a guy like that standing at the helm of a ship that was getting ready to come over and try to attack you, if some of your guys are pretty sick, you're just going to be like, all right, listen, guy, you know, I'll go get a new ship at the Royal Navy. Just take what you need. Leave me alone. <laughs> but, it's yours. <laughs> yeah. But um, speaking of the Royal Navy, in February of 1717, this was his actual first fight. Royal Navy ship called the Scarborough. And the fact that he had beat the Royal Navy, that just helped his reputation more and more with other pirates. And, I mean, this dude shows up, and he's got three pistols hanging off of him. Anywhere from three to six pistols just hanging off of his body, like they said, like bandoliers. And he put those matches under his hat and braids of his beard... The dude looked fucking terrifying, man. You gotta think, with these people at sea, they wouldn't see other people for really long periods of time. So when they would come across another ship, or go into a port, or an inlet, or whatever the case might be, 
you know, and, and dock up for a little bit, they would talk. Blackbeard's reputation started getting bigger and bigger. We also have to bring up the fact that back then, if the crew of a ship surrendered, I don't want to say by law, but there is a rule, you know, like, if everybody surrenders, you're not going to hurt anybody. You just let them go. So the fact that he had this terrifying reputation helped play into that because it just made his job that much easier. Because a lot of times people didn't want to resist. But if they did resist, it was usually very, very fucking bad. Like, I mean, they would go aboard, they would slit people's throats, sometimes cut their heads off, whatever the case might be. Because at the end of the day, you know. Another thing, too, that I read is that pirates would literally take the clothes off your back because there were very little supplies and things like that. So it was difficult to even get clothing. So a lot of the times that they, they would literally grab all their clothes and leave them naked. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I thought that was an interesting little fact. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fucking humiliating, man. You know? <laughs> just imagine like swimming in your little rowboat you know to go to the beach of like the caribbean and everybody gets off they're all just naked as jaybirds everybody's like what happened it's like fucking blackbeard man you know <laughs> yeah that was actually something that was reported to have happened with the concord i fucking love it it was the boston newsletter reported that and that's one thing that <laughs> that is awesome that we do have is there are some documented accounts man that you can go through and read and it's just it's just funny as shit that and they were so much better at writing back then like they just had a way of bringing you into the story as opposed to today very colorful <laughs> very very colorful one thing that we should state too is blackbeard was not above making examples out of his own men one evening him and his men were on the ship everybody was drinking and partying and Blackbeard was sitting at this table. I heard that the pirate he did this to was a guy named Israel Hands. I'm not 100% on that. I only read that in like one place. But Blackbeard was sitting at this table and he took both his pistols and he put them underneath the table and cocked them and then crossed them over and uh, shot one of his own guys in the knee. When asked why he would do shit like that, he basically said, if I don't kill one of them every now and then, they're going to forget who I am. So he wasn't above violence, but I think he was intelligent enough to know that he didn't need to use it on, I don't want to say enemy ships, but ships that he would plunder. But with his own men, I mean, this dude's in control of 250 to 300 guys at any point in time. If he's a shitty captain, if they're not making enough money, if they run out of alcohol, which was a big one. Like, there's accounts of, like, when they ran out of booze, that's when the men started getting disgruntled and talking about a fucking mutiny. So, basically, Blackbeard did this shit every now and then, just basically to say, hey, man, I'm I'm the guy in charge. You know, I'll put some of you down if, if I have to, <laughs> but... But by all accounts, like most of his men, he was very well respected because he was very brave, yeah. very brazen. He was aggressive when he needed to be. They made good money. There was always women and alcohol around. And that was one of Blackbeard's things. He really, really, really liked women a lot. So 
So. Yes, he did. And there's a lot of he said, she said, the cousin said <laughs> yeah. reports about all of that. Um, one of the things, too, that he had to be careful about when uh, dealing with uh, taking over those other ships is a lot of the slave or a lot of the ships that he did overtake or pillage were actually slave ships. Mm-hmm. And um, not only would he bring, you know, he would, you know, bring those slaves back to be sold, you know, at auction. But a lot of those um, slaves would actually choose to become part of his crew. So it didn't, it wasn't to his best interest to massacre everybody. Exactly. You know, he needed to replace crewmen and keep a good, you know, a good staff. I'm not sure if that'd be the correct word for it, but he needed to keep a good rotation of men going. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It, yeah. No, it, it, like, I don't think there's really any good word for it, but a lot of them volunteered. They're like, you know what? I'd rather fucking work on this ship and take my chances as a pirate or a crewman on a pirate ship than, you know, be auctioned off. So he totally did. Like, if somebody was like, no, I'd rather ride with you. He's like, all right, let's do it. I'll take, I'll take on more crewmen. But yeah, he supposedly had 14 fucking wives. <laughs> like yeah um that was one of the the things and the best part was is that usually the marriages were like phony they were just marriages performed by one of the dudes on the boat and all these women were like yeah i'm married to blackbeard and then you know as soon as he would like leave i think port, he was just looking for a little bit of <laughs> high class unshared time damn right he was <laughs> you know the women would have that uh have that reputation of being blackbeard's wife but in all reality eh, there's about a dozen other ones out there you know and your marriage technically isn't even legal you know like they just just some random dude on a boat it's like yeah you guys are married now blackbeard's like cool let's get it done yeah well that was actually one of the things they found on the the queen anne shipwreck what they believe is the Queen Anne was a lead syringe that they used to inject mercury to treat syphilis. Yeah. And I'll leave you to guess where that was injected. <laughs> so. so painful. Oh my God. I couldn't even imagine. But, um, but yeah, I did read yeah, that too. Lead and like, mercury. <laughs> yeah. Mercury. That's a great treatment. <laughs> yeah. And the. <laughs> now I want to make a prosthetics joke. Oh God. <laughs> Uh, when I when I was reading about some of the uh, artifacts that they've pulled from the shipwreckage, that when I read that one, I was just like, oh, God, God, that would be so horrible. <laughs> I want to know how it worked in the whole process, but then again, I don't. No, you don't. <laughs> because I have a vague idea and I really don't want the harsh details of it. But uh, yeah, no. yeah, Blackbeard was definitely um, not immune to you know stds and shit so there's that (laughs) yeah so in december of 1717 blackbeard has a reputation he's been doing pretty good for you know six months or so uh he's in the in the caribbean and he sees this merchant ship called the margaret and of course they they took it over took everything of value and that ship had returned to its home port and that's when the captain uh had turned in like a written deposition and had described Blackbeard as being very tall, broad shoulders, had a jet black long beard. His reputation is working. Yeah, around this time he comes across another pirate named Steve Bonnet. Uh, Steve Bonnet wasn't much of a pirate, 
but he had a pretty good crew and he had a really really badass sloop so they kind of joined forces but what blackbeard did was he put one of his guys in control of bonnet's sloop so now blackbeard himself has three ships a crew of over 300 guys and i gotta mention again everybody respected him because he was a good captain he was smart he they were making great money he was brave so he really didn't have too many problems in the way of people wanting to overthrow him or mutinies or anything of of that sort bonnet was a very interesting character when i was reading up on him you could almost do a an episode on him himself he had some really weird peculiarities yeah he did and Blackbeard ended up fucking him over bad. <laughs> like, Yeah, they say that it was probably more of a personal nature that they parted. Just, And from what I read, that wouldn't be too far off. That guy was weird. Yeah, he was a fucking weird one. But here's, here's an interesting little section of time. This is where the buried tre- some of the buried treasure stories come into play. The first, I think, three months of 1718... Blackbeard just kind of disappears. Like, there's no known info on him or where he was at or what he was doing. And obviously, there's a lot of different theories. A lot of people think that he just wanted to take a break. Some people thought that he was taking this break to plot going back up to the Americas and all this other shit. Or he was burying treasure in an unknown location. Uh, what did you hear about these about these three months that he disappeared? Basically, just a lot of um, kind of conjecture and legend. I did find one interesting piece, and that was about Philadelphia. And there's actual records of his appearance in Philadelphia in August of 1718. Oh yeah, and for sure. This was notes from a council meeting, and that was really interesting because they don't really know what he was doing there or why he was there, but he was certainly there. But in April of 1718, he shows back up, and he's in the Western Caribbean. His ships attack a merchant ship out of Boston, and it was known as the Protestant Caesar. The first round, the ship actually fought off Blackbeard. They ended up getting away, sailing away, and this was the first loss that Blackbeard had ever had. So he took it really, really personally. He was super mad. He felt humiliated. So he's just like, I can't let word get out that I lost this fight. So he started stalking this ship. And he eventually caught up to it and cornered it in the Bay of Honduras. The ship, the uh, Protestant Caesar, they didn't want a round two. Basically, the captain of the ship was like, listen, we rolled the dice and won that first time. I'm not going to test fate twice. So <laughs> they basically all abandoned ship. And um, Blackbeard took over the ship and just fucking burned it. <laughs> and uh, did you hear anything good about that that little battle right there? Actually, I didn't know of that one, so that was interesting. I like that he hunted him down. <laughs> he really did too. And that was from the uh, the captain of the other ship's account. He he straight up said he's like, we were not going to tempt fate twice. So they just straight up abandoned the ship. <laughs> I wouldn't either, to be honest with you. And especially like Blackbeard just in general, but a pissed off and humiliated Blackbeard, I, would, I don't think I would want to deal with that. 
that's been chasing you? No, thank you. <laughs> Fuck no, man. Like, the guy literally just stalked him and chased him down. And it's like, man, this guy has something that he wants to prove, and I don't want to be a part of it. But um, in May of 1718, they sailed up to Charleston, South Carolina, and this whole scenario is one of the things that makes Blackbeard a legend as well. And it also gives in to the fact that he did suffer some kind of STDs or venereal diseases or whatever you want to call it. But they sailed up to Charleston, South Carolina, and they just put down anchor in the in the harbor there, and they started capturing every boat that went in and out of the harbor. And one of the first ships that he got was on its way to London. Now, this ship had most of Charleston's most wealthy people, their most influential people, and when he got these people as hostages, he's like, man, I just struck gold. I can pretty much get whatever I want now, and he started interrogating everyone. Obviously, all these people are like, you know, upper echelon aristocrats and shit like that, but he found out one of his hostages was a leader of the South Carolina Council, a guy by the name of Samuel Ragg. When he learned that, he knew that he had a lot of leverage. He sends a couple of his guys on some small boats, you know, little rowboats, to meet with the governor. All he wanted for the hostages was 300 pounds worth of medicine. <laughs> and um, this is the thing that leads lends credence to the fact that he probably was suffering from some kind of disease from his 14 wives or whatever the case was. And like... And not only was he supposedly married all these times, but every time they'd come into port, especially down in Nassau, I mean, there's women of the night everywhere. I don't know how they couldn't have anything. I honestly don't know either. I, you know, I'm sure everybody did. Right. You know, unless it was one of those, you know, couples that, oh, we're kids. We're, we only had sex with each other. But like you, you come into the- Maybe like the, syphilis is where that adventurous <laughs> spirit comes in. I fucking, honestly- that shit crazy in your older years. Dude, to be honest with you, it wouldn't surprise me. It would not surprise me one bit. So about two or three days passed and there's no word back from the governor. So Blackbeard starts getting really, really mad and he threatens to send in the heads of all of his hostages and then go raid the town and burn it to the ground. So as a guy who is not seemingly violent, he's very capable. He's very capable of violence if he has to. He doesn't want to. But he straight up, you know, after these two, three days pass, he's like, listen, I will cut off every single one of their heads and send it to you on a boat. And then I will go burn this entire town to the ground. All I want is 300 pounds of medicine. Make it happen. So Blackbeard calls up Samuel Ragg, who was one of his hostages. And Samuel Ragg actually convinces him to wait a few more days. So two more days go by and nothing is happening. And Blackbeard, he's at his wits end. He's like, all right, fine, I'm done. He says he's going to burn every ship in the harbor, and then he's going to basically obliterate this town off the map, and he orders all of his ships into battle positions. And the ships are anchored just off ashore, and all of their cannons are pointed toward Charleston. So the town of Charleston knows what's going on. They're not oblivious to this. 
so they freak out. Like, there's women and children running around, you know, like the men start grabbing grabbing arms because they're like, we're going to have to do something since the governor, you know, apparently isn't responding to any of this shit. They didn't know. They were thinking their their whole little city was just going to get obliterated. So right as Blackbeard is about to attack, he sees one of his little rowboats of, of crew guys heading towards the Queen Anne's Revenge. The men on board the boat basically were delayed because when they got into Charleston, they decided to just go bar hopping and uh, <laughs> for a few days. <laughs> so this whole time Blackbeard is thinking that the governor just flipped him the bird and said, whatever, kill all these people, we're not giving you shit. It was actually his own crew who, when they got into Charleston, they're like, yeah, let's uh, just get drunk for a few days and hit all the bars that we can. And then uh, on their way back, their boat had actually overturned, so they had to... Oh, the pirate life. <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> and, uh... But needless to say, they actually had all the supplies that Blackbeard had wanted. So he ordered all of his men to stand down, you know, released all the hostages, you know, everything ended up being okay. This act right here was when people realized, okay, this almost crept into innocent civilians. This guy literally... This is a problem. Yeah, this is a huge problem. I mean, the guy stopped every single ship going in and out of that harbor to where he literally blockaded the entire city of Charleston, South Carolina. And there was absolutely nothing that Charleston could do about it. So Blackbeard goes to North Carolina after this, and this is where Charles Eden is governor. Now, Charles Eden is an important character because he was very, very pirate-friendly. Blackbeard wanted the king's pardon. He's like, okay, I just did all this crazy, crazy shit. I got what I wanted. I'm actually pretty well off at this point. So he's like, I don't want to be hanged. If I could get away with this, then I'm good. He wanted the king's pardon, and he goes and meets with Charles Eden. Charles Eden was one of those governors that, you know, as long as you didn't cause trouble, he was just kind of like, okay, you guys can kind of do what you want, hang out, don't hurt anybody or cause trouble. And as long as he was getting his cut. As long <laughs> as he was getting his cut, you know. That's when Blackbeard basically was like, okay, if I can get a king's pardon... And I could actually go sailing with a copy of this King's Pardon and do a little bit more pirate shit. Nobody's really going to notice and I won't get hanged for it. So like he had this whole scheme worked out in his head, but him and Charles Eden actually ended up becoming friends, which is crazy. But he started to plan to break up his fleet. What it was, he wanted to get rid of a lot of the crew members because if he could get this pardon and go out and do like smaller piracy or take over certain smaller ships, then that would just mean more for his smaller crew and more for him, but also less people would notice. So he tells his crew that it was time to clean the hulls of the ship and uh, Blackbeard sails into this inlet and he grounded the Queen Anne's Revenge and his sloop, The Adventure. And he sends Steve Bonnet and most of Steve Bonnet's crew over to shore. And he was basically saying, you know, we're going to go get the king's pardon. You guys really should, too. 
and he basically took everything off the Revenge, which was Bonnet's ship, and then Blackbeard fucking took off. Deuces, I'm out, you know, and <laughs> they, they just fucking left, like, Steve Bonnet and most of his crew there, like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> he got one over on him. Yeah, so from there, Blackbeard and his crew, they sail to Bath, and they all received the king's pardon. They decided to settle down, and Blackbeard took a legitimate wife this time. I can't remember her name exactly. She was a younger gal. Her dad was... Yeah, as legitimate as 14 or 15 will get you. Yeah, well, all right, and I know people are like, oh my god, we also have to take into consideration this is the early 1700s, like... If you were a 30-year-old guy, more than likely your wife is going to be 16, 17, 18, whatever the age might be. I know it sounds fucked up, but ethical relativism is a real thing. You know, like, that's just how... Those are some big words there. Well, it's a... Well, it's a, it's a great term because you can, you can relate it to a lot of social constructs and certain people's actions. It is it's, a good word. It's very... It's an ethics term, like a philosophy term. It was the norm. It was the norm of society. Nobody says that it's right now. Looking back 300 years, it's easy to say, man, that was wrong and fucked up. But if you're living 300 years ago, you're going to be doing the same shit. You know, (laughs) it's like, you know, more than likely anyway. But after he took his wife, he basically took on the life of a Southern gentleman. Settled down, got himself a little homestead. Uh, He was a super popular guy, too, because everybody knew who the fuck he was. So when he's, like, at these parties or in, like, a social situation, everybody wants to talk to him and hear all of his stories about being a pirate, being in the Caribbean, and all this other shit. So he was a very, very popular guy. But he was also still doing a little bit of shady shit. He was uh, involved in some smuggling around uh, Ocracoke Island, South Carolina. And it should, here's where the whole hatred for pirates comes in. Because South Carolina and Virginia, they were not as pirate-friendly as North Carolina. So like the governors of South Carolina and Virginia, uh, who we're going to talk about here in a second, their views on pirates were we need to kill every single one of them. You can take your king's pardon and shove it up your ass. Like, if you come around here, we're going to hang you. So that's kind of why he wanted to settle in North Carolina. That, And he was in good standings with the governor there. Because, like I said, the governor was pretty fucking corrupt. And as long as he was getting his cut, he really didn't care too much. In August of 1718, Blackbeard starts getting pretty restless. Starts getting a little bored because, as we know, he's lived a pretty exciting life up to this point. So, yeah, in early fall of 1718, right around August, we were talking about this earlier, the crew sets sail on the ship Adventure, which Governor Eden had let him have. Like, the ship was originally confiscated, and Governor Eden's like, you know what? Go ahead and have one of your ships back. Take the Adventure You know, and this is when he went up to Philly and Delaware, and this is where the stories of Philadelphia come in. And by this time, in like August, September of 1718, 48 pirates were hanged in South Carolina alone. 
and that included Steve Bonnet. He was one of them. But it should be known that Ben Hornigold, who was formerly his friend, mentor, depending on, you know, your source of information, he had turned into a pirate hunter. So he had gone from being a pirate to hunting them down. So, I mean, Blackbeard is very aware of this. You know, he's not oblivious. So he's very, very careful on what he's doing and where he's going. So from Philadelphia, he decides to head down to Bermuda. And he spots a couple ships down there. And he takes one of them. And the one that he took had a bunch of sugar and cocoa on it and stuff like that. He takes that ship, goes back home, and he tells Charles Eden, the governor, that he just happened to find the ship with nobody on board. Ended up burning the ship. So nobody knew about it, you know. It's basically getting rid of the evidence. <laughs> and Charles Eden didn't mind. Because he's over here enjoying in the spoils as well. He's like, oh, no, I totally believe you, man. It happens all the time. You know, you just find a random ship with a shitload of sugar and cocoa on it with nobody on board. You know, whatever the case might be. So, <laughs> um, Here, I got a garage. Yeah. Why don't you just swoop that thing right on in here? We'll just hide it. It'll be fine. Apparently, somebody had known about the sugar ship getting captured. And once the governor of Virginia, whose name was Alexander Spotswood, once he found out that this had happened, it essentially erased Blackbeard's pardon because he was involved once again in piracy. And so to the other governors of, like I said, South Carolina and Virginia, that pardon was null and void. It's like, okay, it's back on again. Let's get him. Spotswood was one of them dudes, like I said, he obsessed over killing pirates. And he obsessed with getting Blackbeard. That was like his main goal to the point where I think it was eight out of his 12 statesmen, I think they were referred to as back then. They didn't like Spotswood because he was basically neglecting like his own shit. He was neglecting all of the, the duties of governor for Virginia to basically obsess over getting Blackbeard. Spotswood didn't give a fuck. He's like, I'm going to kill Blackbeard if it's the last damn thing I do. Right around September of 1718, Blackbeard is at Ocracoke Island. And he's having this huge party. And the ship comes in. And it's one of his old pirate friends. And... It's not just one, it's a couple, like, uh, was it Calico Jack was one of them? There was another huge name that I can't remember right off the top of my head. But basically, these pirates came to shore, and they just had this huge, huge party. There's all these famous pirates there, there's all kinds of people, everybody's getting drunk, having a good time. Now, word spreads that Ocracoke is starting to become a pirate haven because of some of these parties that are happening. And it starts scaring like some of the locals, some of the townspeople. And of course, Alexander Spotswood catches word of this. And now he has like a reason. If, if, as if the ship wasn't, you know, the sugar ship that he took wasn't reason enough. Now it's getting to the point where the locals are saying, hey, we don't feel safe in our own town because there's all these fucking pirates hanging around this little island. So Spotswood is like, okay, this is my end right now. So he starts, he gets a hold of the Royal Navy. He gets a hold of a dude named Robert Maynard. 
Then he reaches out to all of Charles Eden's enemies, like all of his political enemies, and they all band together to decide to go after Blackbeard and finally kill this dude and just get him out of the way. And he puts out a reward of a hundred pounds. Now at the time, back then, this is 1718, man. hundred pounds is a shit ton of money. So he's got Robert Maynard from the Royal Navy. And then he's got all of these other people entwined who are enemies of Charles Eden, who's the governor of North Carolina, friends with Blackbeard. He's got all these people just hunting Blackbeard. And it's basically a, hey, if you kill this guy, I'll give you a hundred pounds. And it really wasn't, I don't want to say legal. Like he basically was doing anything and everything, whether it was legal or not, to kill Blackbeard at this point. Did you have anything you wanted to say about that? It was almost like a like a vendetta, like he just completely went after him. Yeah, it was more personal, I think, than anything. Yeah. That brings us to November 21st, 1718. So all these forces joined up, and they decide to take out Blackbeard. Now, Blackbeard at this time, he is on his ship, and he's just off of Ocracoke Island. He only has a crew of about 20 guys on board, and evidence does suggest that he knew he was more than likely going to be attacked sometime soon. But at this point, like, Blackbeard didn't care. Basically, it was the pirate's life. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to fight it out if I have to. You know, what am I going to do? Well, he had lost his pardon, and there's no going back after that vendetta he started. So Yeah, and he knew that, you know, Charles Eden couldn't protect him at all times. He knew, He was very well aware of that. So when he was not on the mainland, he was an open target. So, um... In the evening, he found out that the Royal Navy was inbound. And he also found out that he was outmanned and outgunned. Like, at least outgunned by two to one. And he knew that he was not going to win. But he didn't even try to make an escape or anything. So then the morning of November 22nd rolls around. And the Navy comes into the little inlet there. He starts seeing the royal rowboats, and they start rowing over to his ship, and they get close enough. Dude, it was on. Blackbeard straight up said, he's like, I, we're not going to retreat. We are going to fight this out to the death, dude. He just opens fire on these little rowboats, man, like the Royal Navy's rowboats. And he straight up, dude, like, cuts his anchor. And uh, he starts to take off, and he's hoping that the Royal Navy ships would get caught on the sandbar. And they eventually did, but me and you were talking before recording about he had one of his trusted guys, like his most loyal guy, and he sent him below deck to where the powder room was, and he straight up gave this dude some matches, and he's like, listen, if it looks like we're about to lose and they're going to take us over... Strike this match and blow this ship up. We're either fighting to the death or we're going to take everybody else out with us. And it's like, god damn, this guy was a straight up gangster, man. Like, one of the coolest things is like, Blackbeard and Maynard, they actually had their ships close enough to where they started yelling at each other. And they had like an exchange of words. Oh, that was really good. So basically, Blackbeard like pours this huge... They said a huge goblet of rum 
and he's standing on the side of his ship and he's yelling at Maynard and he basically toasts to him and he says, if we take your ship, we're not going to give any quarter, which means everything goes. All the men die, ship gets burned. You know, that's, you know, no quarter. And Maynard straight up yells back at him. He's like, trust me, there ain't, we're not giving you any quarter over on this side either. They're just sitting there yelling at each other and Blackbeard fucking knows, man. So he's just drinking this rum, dude, just talking shit. You had mentioned something about somebody actually going below deck and stopping Blackbeard's dude from blowing his own ship up. There was a traitor that was um, part of those parties we were discussing. His name was Odell. And um, he actually fought on the side of the pirates. But when it came to, when he kind of came to see how things were going and that Blackbeard wasn't going to be the successor, he actually was able to go down, you know, underneath the ship and stop this guy from lighting blowing the ship up which would have killed a lot of people so he actually stopped so at this point blackbeard fires at the royal navy's incoming sloops he he does hit the ships all right now the other ships are getting close enough to where maynard orders his guys below deck and this was actually a very smart move on his behalf because when blackbeard sees the ship he actually thinks that he killed most of the guys on board. So as Blackbeard and his men get on the ship, Maynard orders his guys back up to the top deck, and Blackbeard's like, shit. And they straight up said it's like one of the bloodiest battles ever on a ship. They were going at it with swords, guns, face-to-face, and Maynard and Blackbeard actually did meet face to face and they pulled their guns on each other. And Blackbeard took his shot and missed. And Maynard hit Blackbeard in the body. Now, if they would have engaged any further, Blackbeard probably would have won. Now, it should be noted that a Highlander who was on Maynard's ship comes up from behind right before Blackbeard is getting ready to, like, get in with Maynard, just go toe-to-toe, and just does one foul swoop with one of his swords and pretty much cuts off his head. But this is also after Blackbeard had been shot, I think, four times, four or five times, and he had, I hope my number's correct, 25 either cut, slash, or stab wounds on his body. Blackbeard had... He was fucked up, man, but he was still ready to go toe-to-toe with Maynard. That dude come up behind him and basically cut off his head. They threw his body overboard, and of course the legend goes that his headless body swam around the sloop for a couple times and then, (laughs) you know, went to the depths of, you know, the water. I don't necessarily believe that, obviously, but... There was another legend that they cracked his skull open, lined it with silver, and made it just a drinking goblet. They haven't been able to find that, so they can't prove it. That would have probably been pretty badass, to be honest. But, um... Skulls of your enemies. True true story. (laughs) That's what we all strive for sometimes, you know? But no, when, uh, when they cut off his head, Maynard straight up tied it to the front of the ship, rolled into harbor with it to collect his hundred pounds... Basically, he did that as kind of bragging rights and to prove that I just killed Blackbeard, finally. Yeah, that's 
pretty much how how it goes down. Like I said, they have recovered a lot of artifacts from what they believe is Queen Anne's Revenge. Uh, We were talking a little bit about that earlier. Yeah, they're not 100% sure. They're pretty sure just because of some of that ammunition and stuff like that that was on board, the amount of cannons that they've pulled up, the logistics of it, the the dating of it. I mean, it does kind of make sense, but from what I understand, it's still not 100% confirmed, so. No, it's not. So you want to add anything about old Blackbeard? No. That was was a very lively telling. (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah, the story is just insane. And and to think that a lot of people don't realize, man, this dude built his legend in like a year and a half. Less than a year and a half. Yeah. And 300 years later, uh, we're still talking about this guy, about this guy, you know? Thanks to Johnson, I think we're going to have to say. Yeah, no shit. Um, I think another thing, too, that people should know is um, there is so much disputed stuff about Blackbeard. Who he is, what he did, where he came from, where he went to. I mean, if you're interested in this at all, like, definitely suggest doing your own research because you can lead yourself into, like, five different other stories than what you heard. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just really interesting, which also made it really hard to research um but i think you did a really good job kind of going with a lot of the agreed upon yeah and that's (laughs) kind of what i tried to concentrate on is again you know for the hundredth time to the listeners there might be details that you heard that were different that's awesome but i'm telling you right now like what you heard i can guarantee if you look into it you'll hear something different it's insane how differing some of the events are but i tried to lead you down the path of what we know you know i mean obviously me and cammy talked about some of the differences of information along the way and stuff like that you know the accounts at charleston obviously that happened it's pretty well documented people don't get like blackbeard's crew after he died they were taken in and they were tried like they were captured they were tried And a lot of the information on the fight and stuff like that comes from their testimonies in court. And it was funny because one of the most badass things that I ever, that I ever read while doing this research and I sent you, I made a little meme of it or not really a meme, but a picture. Oh yeah. I sent it to you last night. They were, one of the guys had asked Blackbeard, they're like, Hey, you know, does your wife know where the loot is in case you don't make it? And fucking Blackbeard looked at him and he goes, he goes, there's only two people that know where my treasure is. That's me and the devil. And the one who lives the longest gets all of it. And it's like, God damn, that yeah. is gangster as shit, man. <laughs> like, so mm-hmm. that also leads us into buried treasure. Now, Blackbeard was so many places, was very secretive, very mysterious. So there's so many places that treasure could actually be. I mean, I have a few ideas, but, and obviously there's been treasure hunters that have gone, uh, they have found some gold dust in the wreckage that is believed to be Queen Anne's Revenge. Dust, like you need a microscope for it. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it does make you think that he would have buried something, especially because he was very, very, very profitable he was he was good at being a pirate. 
You know, like he took, I think, around 30 ships in this year and a half. What a people, a lot of people don't realize is like a lot of the stuff that they plundered, it it wasn't like jewels or one-eyed Willie's ship where you have all that rich stuff, you know, even though that would be badass. Like a lot of the shit that they would take wasn't, and I mean, there were riches like that. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of the stuff was like sugar, cocoa, silk, stuff like that, which was also very, very valuable. But you got to think, man, like Blackbeard had a huge crew. He had to cut those profits up. He had governor to pay off, probably other politicians to pay off as well. But you also have that three months. 14 wives. Yeah, 14 wives, you know. His child bride in North Carolina, I'm sure, had some money. Uh, but it does it does make you wonder, and the only reason I wonder about it is because of that three months that he just vanished. Like, he was totally gone. Nobody knows where he went, what he did, who he was with. I guess that's kind of one of the things that makes me think that there might be a chance he did bury some shit. I can't say like it was a lot of stuff and it was gold and jewels or anything like that. Because like I said, man, there was a lot of things that were currency back then. Not just gold dust, not just jewels, not just coins and shit like that. But So just kind of continuing what you were saying, another part that makes it interesting to the fact that there may have been a treasure was that at his death he was valued at 12.5 million which honestly in the age of piracy really isn't that much looking comparatively at other pirates you're talking anywhere from 30 40 50 to 100 million so for as successful as he was that's actually you know kind of a very low net mm-hmm. worth there was also notes in his ledger that speaks to that famous quote that notes that quote his real treasure lay in a location known only to him and the devil so there's a lot of scholars that think that the difference between the 12.5 and what he actually might have been worth was for the real part of the treasure. But then also another really good point, like Justin said, was, you know, a lot of the ships that he did overtake were either slave ships or cargo ships, and they weren't necessarily treasure ships, nor did he um, do um, plumage the wreckage off the Florida coast. He was a little too late for that once he was established and on his own. So a lot of the riches, like the golds and the silvers and all that kind of bullion, he isn't really, you know, known for. But that doesn't mean that he couldn't have come across it, traded for it, or, you know, something of that nature. Yeah, for sure. There were a couple different places with being a pirate traveling from <laughs> the Caribbean all the way up the freaking coast of <laughs> The eastern seaboard of the United States. I mean, it really could be anywhere. And more than once, you know. Um, so <laughs> he did it like all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Back and forth all the time. You know, I don't know about you, but if I was a pirate, I'd have a couple different stashes. Of course, um, yeah. Who even knows? Um, one of the one of the most popular ones is well, before they found the Queen Anne's Revenge was you know that it went up with the ship. Or went down with the ship, excuse me. But like I, but like you elaborated, they only found dust on, on the ship. Another place would have been on Plum Point, which was where he was trying, when, where he was living when he was trying to be a non-pirate. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, they theorized that maybe he hid it in or around somewhere in there. Or in Teach's Kettle, which is another place in Plum Point. It actually had an oven-like brick thing that 
is reported to render wood tar for sealing the hulls of ships. So a lot of people speculated that it, he may have put it down there, mm-hmm. actually to the point where they've they've cordoned that off yeah. <laughs> because of so much digging done through people it. People just started showing up with shovels. Yep, they actually demolished it, so they got rid of it. There was also legend of Blackbeard actually offloading his cargo and getting it to um, the governor of Eden and him storing it in his his sheds or his garages. I'm not sure what the term would be, but actually having underground networks between a couple different houses and moving this treasure around and so on and so forth. But those are local legends. Yeah, I had heard about the underground tunnels and shit like that from his place to the governor's place and i was like honestly that makes sense it makes a lot because you don't want to be a pirate you and a couple dudes carrying around some shit into the governor's house (laughs) you know what i mean like it's probably not gonna look good so i mean it it makes sense and i thought that was interesting yeah i did too but then again to be honest you know to play devil's advocate to that you know him and spots or they had such a good, him and the governor had such a good trading relationship. I don't think it would be unusual to see, you know, commerce commerce going between the two places. And I feel like to kind of dig any underground tunnels to that effect would take a lot more time than when this should have happened. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it, it's, it sounds cool. Like, I want to goonie out with it, too. But I just, <laughs> seems a little fantastic. Yeah. Seems a little fantastical. Yeah, and that was the big thing for me was the time frame. I'm like, when did they have time to dig all these underground passageways and shit, you know? Out to the middle of nowhere. So, um, even more fantastical is Oak Island. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They um, theorize that Oak Island could have been something um, used as kind of like a, a pirate's bank where they had the main vault and you dig off from it and make your deposit. And then another one of them would have been in Philadelphia because he was known to be in and around that area. The last one I have is possibly on the sh- off of Georgia. There's actually a place called Blackbeard's Island. When he resided in North Carolina in 1716 and 1718, he used the Georgia coast to continue raiding. So... The legend goes that he actually buried he buried his loot on that island. And the reason I kind of like this one the most out of all of them, you know, if there is a treasure that we haven't found, is that now this area is actually a national wildlife refu- refuge. So it's not like anybody can search in there. So mm-hmm. if it hasn't been found, maybe it's there and it can't be found. Hell yeah. I don't know. I kind of want to say to the Caribbean... I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yes. Like, it would have to be in a smaller area, though, because if Blackbeard's going to bury treasure, I don't think it's going to be in a place that's highly populated by other pirates, because there's probably not much. And traffic. Yeah, dude. Also looking, also looking for cash places, like, yeah. I always, I always think of, like, Ocracoke Island, too. But I don't think he would bury treasure that close to where he was. I don't think he's going to... I don't know. He just seems smarter than that. But there's a lot of people that think, you know, there's possibly stuff buried buried there as well. Yeah, no, I agree. I would, I would think, um, you know, kind of if I were him, that I would want to 
put it somewhere where it was remote and easily accessible, yeah. you know, by myself because I knew where the location was. Yeah. And then also you've got to remember, he was a pirate. He knows what it's like for other people to look at his ship and go, there's a payday. So, mm-hmm. you know, I would also think once again, it'd be somewhere remote. Yeah, definitely. And somewhere, I'd say somewhere remote, not close to him, but within like a two to three day sailing distance because if he did have to dig it back up or needed it or needed to make a quick getaway i would say like somewhere remote but somewhere within like three days travel on a ship i that's personally my personal opinion but because it just makes sense it's like well i don't want to bury it in the caribbean when i'm up here living you know in north carolina or you know whatever the case may be Right. Not only that, but if it was buried in the Caribbean, he would need a full, you know, a full crew to yeah, even get exactly. to. And it's not, he's not going to get away with going to, you know, dig up his cash with a full crew of pirates and not have to share. It's just not going to work that way. Exactly. I agree completely. So all in all, what did you think of old Blackbeard? Uh, I really thought he was interesting. It was really interesting. To kind of research not just Blackbeard, but the different versions of Blackbeard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I got totally lost for a while. Yeah, same. Um, but <laughs> it was really, <laughs> it was uh, it was very interesting just kind of researching everybody's different theories. Because this is one of those stories where it's not straightforward. You don't get a read about, he was born in this day and he moved here and he got married here and did this and that. It's just, it's all over the place so it's kind of like one of those uh, make your own adventures yeah. <laughs> books where you just kind of pick the one you want to follow just and, go with you it. Know. but i really one of the one of the one things that i really uh took away from blackbeard is that he wasn't you know just some what do i want to say some sort of barbarian pirate he was actually very smart he was theatrical in what he did you know to meet the ends of not losing his his crew every time he wanted a ship by, you know, fights and things like mm-hmm. that. So I just really liked the intelligence that was that was behind yeah, that. I agree. The more you read into piracy and stuff, you kind of, you get a different view of it. They weren't just these crazy, bloodthirsty swashbucklers, you know. A lot of it has to deal with politics. You could be a pir- pirateer one day and then you could be the scourge of the seas the next. It just depend on who wanted you to do what. Yeah, and that was one of the, one of the kickers that I, you know, just the irony of it. It's like, oh, well, you're flying under the the king's flag, so you're a privateer. But as soon as you lower that flag and raise the black one, you're a pirate. Even though you're doing the exact same thing, you know, it's just. Or the queen changed her mind from this month to this month. So even though you've been doing this the whole time, you can't do it anymore. Exactly. And like back then, you know, a lot of those guys, that's that's all they knew was being on a ship or being a privateer, whatever the case was. That's literally all they knew. And when you're not in wartime, you're unemployed and you could get word like overnight. You could be in the West Indies. You could be in the Caribbean and all of a sudden get word that's like, hey, by the way, we're not in wartime, you're out of a job, good luck. And it's just like, what the fuck do we do? Yeah. You know, this is all, we, all we've all we ever known. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of those guys, that's what it came down to. If you're, you know, you're in the Caribbean, you get you got a plantation or whatever the case is, you can't just show up as a new guy and be like, oh, hey, can I come work over here? 
They're going to tell you to go fuck <laughs> off, you know? It's like, no, dude, like, the hell out of here. Right. And it's not a very big area, you know? Even when you did have the choice between privateering and being of the Royal Navy, the conditions comparably between the two, like any sane man would go for privateering. Um, the pay was better. The conditions were better. It was just, it was all around the better deal. And I imagine like if they were in England when they got word, you know, that they were currently unemployed, you know, maybe the circumstances would have been different. But depending on what upbringing you believe about Blackbeard, because obviously, as we stated, there's so many things that are out there. <laughs> we don't actually know which one is true. They can't even pin down his last name. They don't even know the guy's fucking last name. And they think he was born around 17 or 1680. They don't even know that for sure. I don't know. I know all I know is that in a very short amount of time, this guy built a legend that still withstands. Dude was, dude did some shit, man. Like he was, he definitely had some balls of steel. That's something to be said, I suppose. Oh, absolutely. It would have been, it would have been quite the feat to accomplish everything that he did pretty much, you know, on his own because he was the captain. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, pretty crazy shit. But yeah. All right, Cammie. Well, I suppose probably go ahead and let you go. Thanks. All right. That was, that great was episode an awesome here. episode. Uh, thanks for joining me. Do you want to give anybody any information about your podcast so they can listen to it or anything? Or are you just going to be all weird about oh, come it? Come on. I already told you this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be all weird about it. I've got a couple really good episodes on there. Um, for those that were fans of the Jesse James and all of those things, I do have a really good episode about Eagle Creek where Wyatt Earp and his family actually were at for a little bit. Um, and that's just a couple miles outside of my family's property. So it was really nice. I've got a lot of really good information there. Calamity Jane also made an appearance up there. Mm -hmm. um, but I haven't really done anything recently just because of life. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's nothing super recent on there, but I will get back into it eventually. I'm still paying for the name so that nobody can take it. It's called Into the Smoke. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, hopefully, <laughs> I will get back to it soon. Hey, it's all good. It's all good. There's some good stuff on there, so people should check it out. But anywho, yeah, Cammy, I suppose I'll go ahead and let you go, and thanks a lot for doing this episode with me. Oh, absolutely. All right, I'll talk to you later. Talk Bye. to you later.